You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Alter Echo on this weekend of April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. This is the Sunday after Easter. I hope you had wonderful celebrations of Jesus' resurrection last weekend. We had big crowds here the first time in over two years, and so many people said things like, it is so good to feel like we are back to normal again. We know that there are all kinds of things going on out in the world around us right now, particularly related to COVID and increases, and I do hope that all of us will be smart and judicious and and humble about saying we need to do what we need to do to protect not just ourselves but all the people around us. I hope we take that approach. This is a this is a Christian approach to things that we look out for as many people as we can around us as well. Not that we are even the center of the universe, of course, but we're part of a community. We will be talking about community and fellowship today. If you've been reading Brian McLaren's book, we are in chapter four called The Uprising of Fellowship. And McLaren, as always, goes to his understanding of God's blessing of us, of aliveness, of a new invigoration and energy he calls aliveness that Christ gives us that's unique. It's different than anything else that we can get from any other place in our lives. And so that's kind of the direction, again, that we are going today. We will be in John chapter 20, and we're going to read the whole of chapter 20. It's the Easter story in John, and in church we'll split it up into two parts so that we can get to the whole uh, of the gospel. I'm going to read it out of the message version today, just for a little uh, fresh take on things. So here's what it says, John 20 verses 1 through 31. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, 
Tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary, turning to face him. She said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the Master. And she told them everything he said to her. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples said, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my fingers in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side. I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My master, my God. Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And in the act of believing, you have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. Dear friends, this is the gospel, the good news of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'm just going to point out two things. First of all, Jesus brings us into a common union I mean, this is what Jesus does. He brings us together with God, with him, with each other. And in verse 17, he said, Tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Right then and there, Jesus draws us into a common fellowship. We are in fellowship with him and with God, with each other. There's no difference. We get to access God just like Jesus accesses God and, and is God. Hmm. How close is that? And then secondly, he did tell the disciples that since he was commissioned to go to them and to the world to bring God's good news again to the world, they have the same commission. They've got the same job to do, to go out into the world and be sent by God to do the exact same thing Jesus was doing. We again are drawn into a fellowship with Christ, with God, with each other. 
that is no different than the job, the fellowship, the relationship that Jesus has internally with the Father and the Spirit and the triune God as well. So I'm just going to tell you this today. I'm really going to just tell you two stories, one about chickens <laughs> and another about some elderly folks in a dementia section of a senior uh, care center, senior community. But before I do that, I want to read you one sentence from Brian McLaren's book, We Make the Road by Walking. It's on page 174, if you happen to have the book, about two-thirds of the way down. He says this about Thomas. When Thomas finally got to see Jesus, he says, Thomas saw God in a scarred man whose holy aliveness is more powerful than human cruelty. Thomas saw God in a scarred man whose holy aliveness is more powerful than human cruelty. I want you to focus on the scarred man, Jesus, the one who brought all his scars to bear with God's people, who showed them his scars, the things that have beaten him down, and how even in that beating down, he was more alive in holy ways than any power of cruelty can have on us and on our world. We are facing all kinds of cruelty in our world right now, especially. We could sure make the argument in the case that in every time and place there's cruelty, but right now we are seeing it all over the place. In Ukraine, on the, on the part of Russia, we're seeing it in our country in all kinds of states, trying to create situations where people can't vote. That's cruel. It's not even legal. We're seeing initiatives to roll back protections and welcome of LGBTQ people and racial minorities. Those are wrong. Those are cruel, wrong-headed ways to try to grab power and exercise power. So I want to come back to that at the end today. Remember that the scarred Jesus is more holy alive, more alive in holy ways than any cruelty can have power over us. So here's the chicken story. <laughs> I've had this on my desk for a long time, and it really applies today because we're talking about fellowship. How does fellowship work? If Jesus draws us into fellowship, how does fellowship bless us in ways that we can't get anywhere else? The story is this. A study at Virginia Polytechnic Institute was conducted on chickens to see if kindness had any effect on them. Researchers spoke gently to and even sang to a group of chickens. The chickens became friendlier, <laughs> put on weight faster, and were more resistant to disease than a control group that was ignored. If we're talking about fellowship, people being ignored doesn't fit, does it? People being not cared about or cared for or even rejoiced with or even given kindness doesn't fit, does it? If a big part of what Jesus leaves with us after his resurrection is that we understand that we are in a true fellowship, a holy fellowship with God and with each other, and that 
by definition, anybody can be welcomed into this fellowship. What does that call us to do, to be, and to celebrate? This little illustration of chickens being sung to and being kind to versus being ignored tells us everything we need to know. That God's fellowship is about love. Is about a love that pervades and invades everything. That it becomes our marching orders. It becomes our mission. It becomes our energy. Holy aliveness in fellowship, in the uprising of fellowship, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world, has to do with welcome, kindness, love, hope, and expectation. And when that happens, all the people in the fellowship thrive, just like the chickens. <laughs> when people are sung to and allowed to sing, are celebrated and allowed to celebrate, when people are forgiven and allowed to forgive, when mercy rules rather than cruelty, we thrive. This is by God's design. Now listen to this other story. It's the story of a pastor who took his turn during, during, doing worship services at a nursing home, senior community. Most of the residents there were in some stage of dementia. It was a little chaotic the day that this fellow was there. In fact, all during the service, one woman sat in her wheelchair and sang, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. <laughs> you know, when you do this, you do your ministry where you are. You work with what you've got. In an effort to get everyone's attention, the pastor clapped his hands. And he said to the group, what shall I read from the Bible today? He got their attention. <laughs> what part would you like to hear? Above all the commotion, all the, all the noise and energy, one answer could be heard in an old woman's voice. Tell us a resurrection story, she said. Everything changed in this moment. People became still. Then suddenly, yes, another person said. And then another, yes, tell us a resurrection story. <laughs> what happens in fellowship with people when the word of God, when the word of hope because of a resurrection from death, when the word of joy because of a resurrection over death, when the word of love because the one who has been raised from the dead is the one who said no greater love has anyone than this that they, than that they lay down their lives for their friends. And that I've got a commandment for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. When, when that message is heard above the cacophony of all the voices, all the competing sound and noise of the world. It stops us in our tracks because we know it is truth. When Thomas and the disciples were in the locked room and Jesus came to them and said, Peace, they knew they were in the presence of truth. When Thomas and the disciples in that locked room got to touch Jesus and be in fellowship with him, and Jesus embraced that, let them touch his the, the wounds in his hands and in his side. They knew they were in the presence of love. They knew that this fellowship was truer than anything else. 
How about you? Do you feel the trueness, the truth of the fellowship we have at church? If fellowship is all about anyone who wants to be a part of us being welcomed, is truth, do we carry that out? Do we celebrate that? Does that become the good news that rises above the cacophony of life? Remember when gays and lesbians used to not be welcomed in the church? That was wrong. And wherever that's happening now, it's still wrong. And it's happening in our culture right now, and it's especially wrong. Remember when divorced people were looked at askance in the church? That was wrong. Anyone who wants to be part of our fellowship needs to be welcomed because this is who Christ is for us. This is the fellowship that Christ draws us into. Remember when black people and other racial minorities were not welcomed in the church, were made to feel different? That was wrong. Fellowship doesn't allow us to do that. Fellowship allows us to push back on those wicked things, those cruelties in our society, and to do that together, embracing one another, singing to one another, singing to our Savior who draws us into the same fellowship that our Savior has with with God and with us. So today, everyone, I want you to feel the new aliveness of knowing that the fellowship that we have as the church, particularly here at St. John's where we talk about this and understand it, is truth. And is more important than anything else that's going on in our world that wants to tear us down, the cruelty especially. As McLaren says, Thomas and the disciples saw God in a scarred man whose holy aliveness is more powerful than human cruelty. Even we, with all of our scars, with our wounds, with our many, many imperfections, are not only welcomed here into this fellowship with each other and with God, but we are celebrated, sung to, rejoiced over. And this is who God is as the resurrected Savior for the whole world. May we understand that we are commissioned to do the same thing and be the same way as we live our lives for each other, but for the whole world. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. 
And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.